0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. These things grab hold of our attention and we just throw ourselves completely towards these other things. If we're honest with ourselves, where we find ourselves down the road is, we're bitter, we're angry, there's no joy within our lives anymore. It's because we've turned our backs on the Lord. This is a reality for us, even as Christians to this day. We're not exempt from this or immune from this. We still need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to remain faithful and loyal to Him.
0: When we're fixated on something, it can be very hard to change our mind on what could be better. Today, Pastor James talks about how sometimes we can be so fixated on something that we disregard God. When we do that, we become bitter at God and frustrated that we can't get what we want. What is something that you're fixated on? It might be time to give that up and to ask God to do his will. God is willing to help you if you'll allow him in. He promises that life will be better when you trust him wholeheartedly. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Joel, chapter one, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: Just some background information concerning Joel. We don't know too much about this guy at all. We know the name of his dad, and roughly maybe the time frame in which these events or this letter was written. Uh, and the best guesses are probably around 830 BC, possibly 750 BC during the reign of King Uzziah. But, you know, we, we don't know. And, and there's not a lot about Joel himself within this book. Like I said, we just have the name of his dad. Um, but the point of the whole book of Joel is not himself, it's actually the Lord, and he's actually writing from coming out of a national, so to speak, uh, concerning the southern tribes of Judah, this national, natural kind of disaster that had just happened. And the Lord has speak, had spoken to Joel through that event to give him a heads up of what was to come. And, and with that, we, we still are waiting on some of these events to unfold within our lifetime, uh, if that's the way that the Lord wants to work this thing out. But So chapter 1 is going to break down into this, this event that has happened. It's a locust invasion is what it is. And he's going to use this immediate judgment of God, okay, because it was a, a judgment uh, of God on his people for their rebellion against him. They had turned their backs on him. And we're continually bowing down to false idols, these gods, lowercase g, uh, that they were able to craft with their own hands, right? Stone images, wooden images, things like that. Uh, And if you can make your God with your hands, it's not a real God. Uh, It's not a real God, okay? So if if God can be made by us, it's not powerful enough to do anything for you, right? So we want God Almighty, and God Almighty has invited us into this relationship with Him, and He's done all the work, and all He asks is for, well, really, our our allegiance to Him, our devotion, our dedication to Him. So uh, He's going to use this immediate judgment as an illustration of the ultimate judgment concerning the day of the Lord. That's a, a phrase we'll hear repeated throughout this letter, these three chapters, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is always signifying um, really his return, his judgment, and, and all that good stuff. So let's look at this. Chapter one, verse one, the Lord gave this message to Joel, the son of uh, Pethuel. Pethuel, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's, I don't know, but that's uh, how you properly say his name, but there you go. Um, I, I do want to mention Joel, Joel, or Joel, uh, is, uh, his name means Jehovah is God, Okay. It says, this message came to Joel. It said, hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all you who live in the land. In all your history, has anything like this happened before? Tell your children about about it in the years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass down the story from generation to generation. So they just experienced a -a once-in-a-lifetime cataclysmic event uh, that none of them had ever experienced before. And what Joel is saying is, I mean, he's like, think about it. Has anything like this ever happened to this degree before? And really, Joel is trying to implant this into their hearts that be reminded of this. This is a cause and effect type scenario that we've just, we've just walked into. Because they turned their back on God, he has allowed these locusts to come in to completely devastate their land, stripping them of all vegetation, all food, all, I mean, everything. And they had never seen anything to this degree before. And Joel is pleading with them, so to speak, of don't forget this. Do not forget about this. And don't forget the why, all right? Why did this happen? This happened because of our rebellion. Verse four, he goes into these the description of these locusts. It says, after the cutting locusts finished eating the crops, after the swarming locust took what was left, after them came the hopping locusts and then the stripping locusts, right? So this is This isn't four different types of locusts, although there are over 90 varieties of locusts. This is four different stages of growth with these locusts, meaning that uh, when they showed up, the time had passed from the the day that they had shown up to where they'd eaten their fill, uh, and you, you just see this life cycle, so to speak, of these locusts. So it's not four different types of locusts. Uh, really, it's, it's signifying that these are the four different growth stages of the locust, uh, meaning that they were there for a while, right? Uh, I know that this uh, idea of locusts, it conjures within our brains um, revelation-type stuff. Revelation chapter 9 speaks of these locusts coming out from this pit and uh, just crazy craziness. And, and it should draw our attention to those things. This book is meant to draw our attention to the end times. It's also a good warning for us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't give your allegiance to anything else or anyone else. To him, he, he's number one, he's top. He has to be priority, he has to be priority within our lives. So these, lo- these locusts were allowed to come in there and they stripped the land of everything. And Joel, he, he calls out, Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Well, you wine drinkers, all the grapes are ruined. All your sweet wine is gone. No more. There's no more alcohol. There's no more wine. There's, they've lost all the, the drunkards. What they've hold on to. What they've. Uh, the thing that brings them uh, temporary satisfaction and relief and from their pain and all all the stuff like that's been decimated. It's been taken away. A vast army of locusts has invaded my land, a terrible army, too numerous to count. Its teeth are like lion's teeth, its fangs are like those of a lioness. It has destroyed my grapes and ruined my fig trees, stripping their bark and destroying it, leaving the branches white and bare. So please understand that this is the Lord speaking to his people and saying, It's because of your sins that I've allowed these locusts to come in and they have decimated not your land, but my land, not your grapes, but my grapes, not your fig trees, but my fig trees. The land belongs to God. And he takes no delight in really having to punish his people. And it affects his his land. The Israelites were mainly just managers in one sense. They were given this land to occupy it and to cultivate it, but it never really belonged to them. It belonged to God, and all the things within it belonged to the Lord, and it was their actions that caused the devastation. But God had to, he he chastens the ones he loves, right? He has to correct those, his kids, when they're out of line. Verse 8, it says, weep like a bride dressed in black, mourning the death of her husband, for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of the Lord. So the priests are in mourning, the ministers of the Lord are weeping, the fields are ruined. The land is stripped bare, the grain is destroyed, the grapes are shriveled, the olive oil is gone. Despair, all you farmers, wail, all you vine growers. Weep, because the wheat and barley, all the crops of the field are ruined." The grapevines have dried up. The fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up. And the people's joy has dried up with them. And this is where they find themselves. I mean, they just are you know, in the midst of this calamity, so to speak. And, and Joel is being used by God to remind the people, let's think about what got us here. And what got us here was we turned our backs on him. You have these promises throughout the Old Testament. We went through the book of Leviticus not that long ago, and it's an amazing book. It's a great book. And throughout that book, the Lord tells his people, if you obey me, if you stay loyal to me, I'll take care of you. You won't have to worry about anything. Your crops will grow. You will have harvest. But if you turn your back on me, if you are unfaithful to me, then seasons of drought and famine will be an effect of that, will be a result of that. And this is where they find themselves. And as the fruit trees are drying up, so is the people's joy. And such is our lives when we begin to allow little compromises into our lives. And it won't take long before that uh, moments of, you know, just, harvest and feeling blessed in abundance by God, that we allow these little compromises to come in and these things grab hold of our attention and we just throw ourselves completely towards these other things. If we're honest with ourselves, where we find ourselves down the road is we're bitter, we're angry, there's no joy within our lives anymore. And it's because we've turned our backs on the Lord. This is a reality for us, even as Christians to this day. We're not exempt from this or immune from this. We still need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to remain faithful and loyal to him. And if you find yourself in this place of just barrenness and dryness or the joy is gone, I would encourage you to examine your life. I mean, are are your eyes still fixed on Jesus? Are you still following him? Does he have your whole heart? Does he have all of you? Is he, is he not just your Savior, but is He your Lord as well? Are you living a life of obedience? And if not, then just repent and turn back to Him. There are times in our Christian walks where we, we go through these wilderness experiences, and it's not a result of sin. It's actually a, a training ground that the Lord allows us to go through. And that's we're not talking about that. The, the place where the... the People of the southern kingdom of Israel find themselves as a direct result of sin and rebellion. The joy has departed from them because they've turned their backs on God, and they're experiencing a little bit of correction from him. But this is the effects of sin. Verse 13, dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Well, you who, does, who serve before the altar... Now, remember, everything's dried up. Everything's been stripped bare. Everything's been eaten by the locusts. And they can't even bring sacrifices to the Lord. Those who serve within the temple can't even do their jobs. And they're just as guilty as the people, right? The priests are just as guilty as the people. He's saying, don yourselves with clothing of repentance. That's burlap. Come spend the night in burlap, you ministers of God, for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. The day of the Lord, here's our first reference of this, right? The day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is near. The day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. This uh, day of the Lord and, its, and, and how terrible it will be is referenced in other prophetic books in your Bibles. Jeremiah speaks of this. Uh, and we know for sure we, we went through Daniel not too long ago. And the book of Daniel references this as well. This day of the Lord will be him coming back and bringing back judgment with him. And there will never be a day like it. There never has been to this point, And there never will be a day like it. But this is a heads up to the people. This is a heads up to you and I living in this world, in this moment in history right now. It says our food disappears before our very eyes. No joyful celebrations are held in the household or in the house of our God. The seeds die in parched ground, the grain crops fail, the barns stand empty, the granaries are abandoned. How the animals moan in hunger. The herds of cattle wander about confused because they have no pasture. The flocks of sheep and goats bleat in misery. Lord, help us. Here's an outcry. Lord, help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. The flames have burned up all the trees, even the wild animals. The the wild animals, we are referencing domesticated animals. Now we're talking about wild animals, they cry out to you because the streams have dried up. The fires consume the wilderness pastures. So here, here's a scenario that the sinful act of, of the Israelites has not only affected themselves, but it has affected the land that God had given to them or allowed them to occupy. But it, it has also affected the animal life that is there present with them. From the domesticated animals to cows and sheep and goats and whatever else to the wild animals. Everyone, everything is suffering because of the sinful choices of the people of the southern kingdom. Your sin affects everyone, our sins affect everyone. Okay, and and this scenario breaks it down even to the fact that the cows are wondering about confused. They have have nothing to eat. It's all been eaten by these locusts that came in a horde, and then they stayed and devoured everything, which we also need to realize is that these locusts, I don't know how many of them, would eventually even die there. And so then you'd have piles of dead locusts just rotting away, and it's not going to smell great right? And that could also lead to sickness within the animals, and it could also lead to sickness within the human beings who are now becoming malnutri- malnutritioned or whatever, uh, malnourished, uh, because of the fact that they have no food to eat. So this effect of sin is just compounding. It's compounding. But there's hope. There's hope even for these people. There's hope for you and I, and regardless of where we find ourselves. And there's hope for humanity and, and there was hope for the the people of Israel in back in this day when this was written. But there's also hope for Israel in the future. If you read through the Book of Revelation, and again, this is this is all the the Day of the Lord kind of typified in one sense. But the Lord is communicating to his people back then. This is where you're at. This is what's going to happen. Here's a heads up of what's to come. And then for his the Jews to see this later on. Uh, or when it all unfolds, this this will be a good reminder for them as well that yeah he's coming back, but there's hope. There's hope if you just turn back to him. Chapter two kind of goes into this future type scenario here. Uh, this is gonna, it's locusts are going to be used as an imagery for an army that's going to be invading. All right, um, let's see chapter 2, verse 1. It says, sound the trumpet in Jerusalem. Okay, so so blast the, the trumpet alarm to warn the people. Okay, it says, raise the alarm on my holy mountain. Let everyone tremble in fear because here it is again, the day of the Lord is upon us. So this is future stuff, okay? This is future type stuff that we're, we're talking about here. And it's going to, this army is going to be likened to this horde of locusts that they just experienced. So this will be fresh on their minds. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Suddenly, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has been seen before or ever will be seen again. So you can imagine, as Joel is writing this, coming fresh out of a locust invasion, this is what they saw when the clouds of locusts were coming into their lands they were blackening out the sky, right? And, and, it, and we've seen this. We've seen even modern-day locust infestations, if you want to call it that, over in the Middle East. There's some pictures of one that had happened recently. I think it was in 2019. And, and there's people walking around in the midst of these clouds of locusts, and you can barely distinguish the people. I mean, the, the, the locust is it's just so thick. This is what they have this imagery fresh in and Joel does for sure, fresh on his mind as he's writing these future things about a, an, an army that will invade. Okay, so it says he goes on to say, uh, verse three: Fire burns in front of them, and flames follow after them. Ahead of them, the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden, right? But behind them, nothing but desolation. So they are destroying everything in their path. Not one thing escapes. They look like horses. They charge forward like war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountaintops. Listen to the noise they make. We kind of have this noise going right now because the motorcycle rally, Lone Star Rally 2022, is happening right now on our island. And you have like some 400,000 bikers uh, everywhere on this island. You may even catch some of it through the recording. Um, but they are everywhere, and that's like that's the, kind of the sound, right? You just it's just everywhere, and you hear them coming from miles away. This is what Joel is, is describing here. He says you can hear them, the noise they make, like a rumbling of chariots or a rumbling of Harley Davison's, right? Uh, like the roar of a fire or a roar of fire sweeping across the field of stubble, or like mighty army, a mighty army moving into battle. So this is the description of this invading army, but it's not an army of locusts, nor is it an army of bikers. <laughs> those are nice guys; we love those guys. Um, this is a, this is an army of nations, uh, a very powerful army of nations that it's going to be sweeping into Israel from the north. Now, what's fascinating about this is you have a reference found in Ezekiel chapter 38. Uh, and I'm going to read that to you guys real fast. Ezekiel 38, 15 says, You will come from your homeland in the distant north with your vast cavalry and your mighty army, and you will attack my people Israel. This is a prophecy from God through the prophet Ezekiel concerning end time stuff, right? You'll attack my people, Israel, covering their land, what? Like a cloud. We just saw that description in Joel. At that time, in the distant future, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches, and my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, God. Then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel 38 is an amazing uh, chapter in and of itself, speaking of these, these future prophecy type events. We know... Um, at least most scholars would agree, uh, not that I am one of those, but within Ezekiel chapter 38, Gog and Magog, we know that that is a reference towards like Russia, and Russia making their move from the northern area down into Israel. And, and here's this, northern, this army from the north that's going to be invading, and Joel kind of echoes exactly what, what Ezekiel chapter 38 is referencing there in the description of this army. Verse 6, it says, fear grips grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. The attackers march like warriors and scale city walls like soldiers. Straightforward, they march, never breaking rank. Well-organized, well-organized army. They never jostle each other. Each moves in exactly the right position. They break through defenses without missing a step. They swarm over the city. Run along its walls and enter all the houses climbing like thieves through the windows. The earth quakes as they advance. This is speaking of a, a, just a vast army. The heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars no longer shine. So you, you can imagine if you were in the midst of a locust invasion, and there are so many of them that they would, I mean, just... Everywhere, surrounding you at all times, they would, they would black out the sun. And in the nighttime, the, the moon would not be visible at all. You wouldn't see any stars either because they are all-encompassing. I mean, just everywhere. This is what this army, this uh, army of probably more than just one nation, but this army will be like invading in Israel. They will have this feeling of like we are completely surrounded, The Lord, here's a fascinating thing, the Lord is at the head of the column. He leads them with a shout in his mighty mighty army and they follow his orders.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Don't let the word minor fool you. Normally, its definition is widely known as not important, but that's not the case here. Many men from days of old spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus and His power to bring wayward souls back to Him. Despite all of their poor choices, Jesus used different prophets to speak the saving truth of His righteousness into their lives. If you liked what you heard today, you have an opportunity to share it with others by making a donation to this ministry at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Donation tab. Feel free to explore other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, or you simply want to connect and pray with somebody, we'd love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you have two options available to you, Sundays at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. If you can't get there, we invite you to use our Facebook live stream. We'd love to connect with you because there's hope and healing in Jesus. Our time is up for today's edition, but we'd encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about these prophets that had major messages from God. Join us for more wisdom that comes from the Word of God right here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Sure up you back.